Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L. On Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Attention Ditto Heads. Attention Bo Scouts. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly. Indeed it is the Rush Hour and we may have to rush through a lot of the news today because it's breaking out on all fronts. 800-848-WABC is the number if you want to be part of Boston Early's Rush Hour here on WABC 800-848-9222. Of course, the big story of the day is the indictment of Hunter Biden for lying about being on drugs when he purchased a weapon, 38 caliber pistol in the state of Delaware. The application asks if the applicant is used or has addicted to drugs. He checked off no. Maximum time in the pokey, 10 years. And this was one of the things they were trying to sweep under the rug with this plea deal that was rejected after whistleblowers came forward and let it be known that there was tremendous pressure put upon the investigators. Now, one of the things that I tweeted out earlier, something, and I'm not reading it directly, but it is this. Look, as important as this indictment may appear to be, there is a lot missing. Where are the indictments regarding Hunter Biden's not registering as a foreign agent? a foreign lobbyist, because he was lobbying for foreign countries. We know that money flowed in from Romania. We know money flowed in from China. We know money flowed in from the Ukraine. And he was using or was acting as a lobbyist for those concerns. He did not register as a foreign lobbyist. Where are those indictments? Where are the indictments regarding the lack of taxes that were paid on that money? that came in, some $20 million at last count. And where is the complete investigation into the money trail and where that money, how it was disseminated and why? The setting up of shell companies, to me, speaks to a premeditation to commit a criminal act. I am not a lawyer, but I'm saying just on the surface, that is what it appears to me. We will have Cash Patel on soon. I'm going to ask Cash about some of these stories. That indictment today, and I would like to know from some of you whether you think that we're going to see anything out of this, or is this just another 
shoe that is dropping in an overall effort to pretty much exonerate Hunter and make sure that he gets a pass. Does anyone, for instance, actually think that he's going to serve a day in prison over these matters? Should we expect that? That's number one. Another story that has dominated the headlines is a judge in Fulton County, Scott McAfee, has officially severed the cases of defendants Kenneth Cheeseborough and Sidney Powell from that of Donald Trump and 16 other co-defendants. In this Fulton County case brought by Fannie Willis, who has repeatedly asked the judge to try all 19 of them together. Now, Sidney Powell has demanded a speedy trial. And she wanted her case, I believe, to also be severed from the other one, but the two of them will be tried together. They want to go to trial on October 23rd, right around the corner. Fanny Willis and her team wanted to start the trials of Donald Trump and all of them that date. With the sheer amount of discovery, it wouldn't be feasible, not for the Trump defense. Judge McAfee expressed some skepticism over the estimates that the trial is going to take four months, not including jury selection. 150 witnesses will be called. That's if all 19 were together. Further, several more of these defendants have filed to move their cases to federal court, sever sever their cases from each other. So the legal mechanics in all of this is just getting underway. The judge wrote that severance of these two defendants was absolutely a necessity. This was described in some news reports as a very bad day for Fannie Willis and her team. Now, Sidney Powell, and by the way, I know Sidney. Sidney Powell um, and Kenneth Kenneth Cheeseborough are also asking if they can speak to the grand jurors who indicted them. And they want the identities of the 30 unindicted co-conspirators revealed. They're asking the court to unseal transcript from the special grand jury. And they want to know, and the questions are, I believe, to the, if any of the grand juries felt any pressure to bring about these indictments. That could be interesting. An NBC news story today. There are threats, and the threats have mounting are mounting against the prosecutors and the FBI agents that are working the Hunter Biden probe. This is according to NBC. The FBI has created a standalone unit to investigate threats from members of the public who think agents and prosecutors haven't been tough enough on Hunter Biden. Prosecutors, FBI agents, have been the targets of threats and harassment by people who think they haven't been tough enough. In the NBC article, it says it's part of a dramatic uptick in threats against FBI agents. 
that has coincided with attacks on the FBI and the Justice Department by congressional Republicans and former President Donald Trump. So, of course, if you dare criticize, if Donald Trump or Republicans criticize this two-tier justice system, that must mean that they're responsible for a rise in threats, you see. Both the Republicans and Donald Trump have accused both agencies of participating in a conspiracy to subvert justice. Oh, gee. Oh, gee. They must be making it up, huh, NBC? We've stood up an entire threat unit to address the threats that the FBI employees' facilities are receiving, says Jennifer Moore, an executive assistant, uh, executive assistant director of human resources for the FBI. It's unprecedented. Yeah, the number of threats they're getting. I never want to be in a position where people think that I'm advocating that people should threaten someone, that this behavior is acceptable. It is not acceptable. Note, it is not acceptable behavior. Note, the host said, the host said, it is not acceptable. That said, I'll say it one more time. It is not acceptable. Threats are not acceptable. Threatening behavior toward FBI, toward DOJ, toward people in the judicial system, toward Congress people, toward any of these. Threats to their lives, threats to their safety are not acceptable. They're not acceptable form of behavior, period. And they never will be. But what about that? Why are people doing this? People are threatening these people because the American public, a half of the American public, a portion of the American public, I don't know whether it's half or not, understands that we are in an age where the wheels of justice turn one way for Democrats and turn a completely different direction for Republicans. NBC and all the rest of these news organizations can call that conspiracy. They can call it kookery. They can call it nuts. They can say there's no evidence to suggest it. And speaking of no evidence, I got a quote, a a, a soundbite coming up from Kevin to an AP reporter that I want you to hear. But the fact of the matter is, most people that follow the news religiously, follow the news in depth, understand that there is a two-tier justice system. One justice system allows Democrats like Hillary Clinton to walk scot-free, even though there is no question of the criminality that was involved with her handling of classified documents. That system of justice slow walks an investigation of Joe Biden, who did not have what Donald Trump has. Donald Trump had the Presidential Records Act behind him with with regard to any document he chose to take out of that White House. The Presidential Records Act covers Donald Trump. He was president. Joe Biden removed multiple documents from the White House, some stored at his garage in Delaware. And to this day, there is no indication that that investigation is proceeding with any sense of urgency. 
at all. Barack Obama had documents. He was president. Now, if Donald Trump can be prosecuted for taking documents out of the White House, so can Barack Obama. Hillary Clinton's misuse of documents is known. It is inarguable. The facts are present, and yet the FBI chose to whitewash it and say, oh, she didn't intend. She didn't intend is not a legal excuse for the criminal behavior that Hillary Clinton was involved in. But the FBI openly and brazenly under James Comey gave her a pass for her criminal behavior. We have seen lobbyists from foreign governments, like people like Paul Manafort, who was accused of acting as a lobbyist for Russia and spent time in jail. Yet to this day, Hunter Biden hasn't even been charged with that, despite the money that he's taken from three different foreign governments that we know of. So Americans look at these things, and some people are fed up. Again, I will never advocate threatening government officials. But if you want to know the reason why some people who are simply fed up may be calling and making these threats, it is that they feel there is no justice in this country that is fair. And this is the danger. This is the wholesale danger of allowing any justice system of any country to become corrupted. Once people feel or believe or think that they cannot get justice, that there is not equality of justice under the law for them, then a certain percentage of those people will think it's okay to act outside the law to achieve Justice. And this is the danger. If many Americans feel that they have lost faith in the judicial system, they will act outside of the law. It is a danger. And this is a danger that liberals have been very willing to take this country through with their one-sided pursuit of justice. A federal appeals court has agreed to expedite consideration of former President Trump's argument that he has absolute presidential immunity from the defamation lawsuit brought by E. Jean Carroll. The ruling will likely enable the court to weigh in on the issue before Carroll is set to take Trump to trial again over his statements denying the longtime advice columnist accusations that he supposedly raped her in the mid-1990s. Accusations, I would add, to use the language of many in the mainstream press, Accusations that were brought forth with no evidence to support them. 
One federal judge has previously determined that Donald Trump could not assert absolute presidential immunity. A jury has already found Donald Trump liable for the sexually assault charge. But this case apparently still is going to be adjudicated further in the appeals court, and we shall see how that impacts everything. There is other news, my friends. 800-848-WABC is the number to call. And we will be delighted to take your calls on this edition of Bolsterly's Rush Hour. 1974, Stevie Wonder starts a two-week run at number one on the album charts. The album fulfilling this first finale on WABC. Doing the background vocals on this song. This one won. This album won three Grammys, I think. Yes, three Grammy awards. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. 
starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. The Rush Hour is on the air. Attention Ditto Heads. Attention Bo Scouts. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Which song is from the Fulfilling This First Finale album. This is Stevie Wonder. Uh, the song is Creeping. Minnie Ripperton singing background on this with Steve. The synthesizers. Oh, perfection. You know what? This album was greeted with a lot of enthusiasm. A lot of people don't remember that Stevie had been in a very, very serious car accident before this accident, this uh, album was made and released. This album came after the success he had with Inner Visions, which won four Grammy Awards. There's many. And um, he was in a coma for a long time. Yes, Davey was in a coma. And everybody knew the first hopeful words that came out of it was that someone, and I don't remember who now, was visiting him in the hospital and began singing. And the response, he started moving his fingers in time to whoever it was that was singing. And that's when they knew, okay, he's going to, he'll be okay. And this album was the first album that came out after his brush with death because for a while didn't know whether Stevie was going to get past that one I never knew that yeah so a lot of us were just so happy when this record came out and when um, and if you notice the album cover there's an illustration of him and he's got a scar on his forehead and that was he had a head injury so yeah it was a, it was it was a traumatic period for us Stevie fans back then Andrew Giuliani is going to be with us. It's Thursday. Thursday is Andrew Giuliani Day here on Boston Early's Rush Hour. So we're looking very much forward to hearing from Andrew Giuliani shortly. A federal judge has also, for the second time, declared that DACA, this idea of, um, what do they call them? The Dreamers. That's what the Democrats call them. And the Dreamer program is just a sucker program. And I don't mean this to, to for to be pejorative at all against any of those people that call themselves dreamers. But I call it a sucker program because this is a program that Democrats use to claim that they really care about Hispanic people. So what they did, Dick Durbin and others said, oh, we have to help the dreamers. We have to help the dreamers. Let's put up legislation to help the dreamers. And when Republicans are in office, were in office, they use this to say, See, these awful Republicans don't care anything about you. You are the children of illegal immigrants who were brought here uh, unknowingly. You didn't know any better. You're just kids. 
Your parents brought you, you're here, and you're not citizens. Some of you discovered it when you uh, tried to apply for college and everything. Oh, we have to help the dreamers. Well, that's cool, except this. And this is a note to all of my Hispanic and Latino brothers and sisters. This is how they play you for suckers. Okay, this is how they play you for suckers. Under Obama, Democrats had control of the House, the Senate, and the White House. Any piece of legislation that Democrats wanted to pass could have been passed. They did not need one Republican vote to pass anything. What did they do for you? the dreamers, when they had full control under Obama? What did they do to ensure that the dreamers would be taken care of? Absolutely nothing. They never put up a bill. They never voted on it. Okay, that happened during the first term of Obama. Now let's look at what happened when Joe Biden came to office. Joe Biden came to office with a trifecta again. What do we have right now? Right now, we have Republicans in the House. But remember, before that happened, before the midterm elections, Joe Biden had what? A Democrat House. Nancy Pelosi in charge of the House. Chuck Schumer was in charge of the Senate. The Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Democrat. And who was in the White House? Joe Biden. On day one, they could have put up a law and passed into law an act to deal with the dreamers. What did they do? Nothing. Once again, nothing. They don't want to fix this problem. They only want it as an issue so that they can go out and say, oh, Republicans don't like you. They don't care about you. My Hispanic brothers and sisters, they care nothing Nothing about you at all. They care nothing about your children who are here illegally that they claim deserve a pathway to citizen because they have never done one thing when they have had power to resolve this situation. Not one thing. They are playing you for suckers. And now, just to be fair, let me also say this. This is one of those issues that the Republicans, when they had a trifecta, could have dealt with too. But they're too cowardly to deal with it because they're afraid their base will turn on them if they deal with it. So let's just be fair both ways around. Because I'm not the kind of guy that just likes to bludgeon one side. The same goes with all these major issues that we argue about back and forth. The Democrats don't want to solve them. They want to use them to race bait, and the Republicans are too scared to solve them. You want to know why nothing gets done on so many issues? You got one party running around with their tail between their legs because they're a bunch of wusses with no onions, and you have this other party that's just a bunch of race baiting, insincere, Republican-hating politicians 
who don't care to do what they say they claim to do, which is to be for the people. It's a sickening situation. On this day, 19, I think it was 96 or something. No, David Bowie anyway. I don't have the year in front of me, but he won video of the year for this one. China Girl. And I did not know the co-writer on China Girl, Iggy Pop. This is one of my favorites from the Let's Dance, Let's Dance album. The Under the Moonlight tour came from this. Anyway, stop down for news. We'll check in with Andrew Giuliani when we get back. And your calls are coming up too, so do not go away. If you want to, you can shut your mouth. Uh, WABC. James Golden, the Boston Early West Hour, coming back right after this. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Nineteen fifty-five. Little Richard. So the deal with this one. They go into a recording studio, two days of recording. They're not having good luck. So they go out to lunch, last day of the recording. Go to the Do Drop In, little bar in New Orleans. A little Richard starts playing the piano, sings a loud and lewd version of this record. They get back to the studio, 15 minutes left. They record it. This is it. And Little Richard came up with that a wop bop a loop bop a lot bam boom, and the rest is history. You know, when I look at Little Richard, I'm reminded of like this is like a precursor to Prince. If you look at 1955, Little Richard was to them what Prince was to a lot of us. All right, Andrew Giuliani is on the line. Andrew, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing great. I got to tell you, I probably should think about my father whenever I hear that song, but I just keep thinking about the scene in The Predator when they're all getting ready on the chopper to go down in there, where you have two future governors in that scene. But just you're always fantastic with the music and the backstories as well. Well, thank you, Andrew. Listen, there's an article in Newsweek uh, today about Eric Adams and how he's in deep doo-doo, and his fellow Democrats are not bailing him out. And America's small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock, who comes on our show on occasion, said that Mayor Adams is acting like this migrant crisis is something that has happened to him instead of something that he created in part. What are your your thoughts about where we are with this this still not-ending invasion of illegal immigrants into New York City. Now we're cutting budgets. 
that we're cutting budgets from police officers. We're cutting budgets all the way around to deal with this. So um, citizens of New York City will not be getting the services that they have paid for as taxpayers in order to accommodate this surge in illegal immigration in New York. What are your thoughts, Andrew? Well, first off, this is 100% a problem that Eric Adams had a major role in creating in New York. He called Abbott a racist about 14, 15 months ago. Instead of being the mayor of New York, he was campaigning to be president by going down to the Port Authority with the swag bags and welcoming these illegal migrants. Instead of actually trying to figure out solutions, realizing this was going to get out of control. Sadly, he didn't start talking about it until it got out of control. And now he may want to have revisionist history. But sadly, most of New York and most of the country actually knows. I think here's the real scary thing if you look on a macro level with New York, and especially considering this week and it's the week of September 11th. The largest police classes in New York City history came after September 11th. It was 2002 to 2006, where you had over 2,000 police officers a year graduating the police academy. Now, Bo, you are getting 600 that are just applying. So you're talking about six or 500 that are graduating, replacing the 2,000. We've cut the standards. And then when you add this cut that's going to have to happen because of the migrants on top of it, New York right now has just seen the beginning of what I think is a cliff that we are standing on right now. And if there aren't some major changes in the next year to two years, I am telling you, New York is going to get back by the end of this decade to the late 80s and early 90s. And that is a very, very scary thought when you think of where New York was just eight, ten years ago. You know, one of the things that many of us remember when your dad took over, when when Rudy Giuliani came into the mayorship of New York. We were coming out of the worst crack, the worst drug problem that we had seen since the birth of drug problems, and that is the crack epidemic, right? And within two years, he had cleaned this city up by taking a very serious, very serious approach to crime. And I remember this, like yesterday, one of the things that he said we was going to do was stop the street crime by focusing not only on the big crimes, but on the little ones, getting rid of these squeegee guys that were intimidating everybody, intimidating them into handing off money. He was not going to just uh, overlook these small things. And that approach worked. It worked within two years. You could see tourists coming back to New York in record numbers. You could see the city bustling with new businesses because the crime problem had been eradicated. What is so hard about emulating what Rudy Giuliani did as mayor to make this city safe again? You know, I asked him this question on air just a couple of days ago on September 11th, and I asked, what do you think the motivation for this is? Because he, he laid out such a clear playbook for future mayors in terms of what they could do, not just in New York City, but in any major metropolitan area around the country and really around the world. And he said very clearly that the only reason that they would not actually follow this playbook, which was just written for them, ready to go, ready to roll out, was because they didn't want to or they didn't have the political 
guts to actually do that. But you're absolutely right. In, in terms of what New York, what any city can be, and when you look at what's actually happening now, how the quality of life crimes are increasing, uh, one of the things I think, too, that the leftist media a lot of times does not talk about they talk about these low-level crimes and say, isn't it terrible that the police would go in and arrest somebody for this? Isn't it terrible that a prosecutor would go out and prosecute for this? Well, I'll tell you what ended up happening with these quality-of-life crimes. If you ended up prosecuting somebody for a smaller crime, let's say a misdemeanor, what ends up happening is many times they had the opportunity to rehabilitate, and a lot of those people came back as actually productive members of society instead of actually graduating on from committing misdemeanors to felonies and then violent felonies. And that's what you're seeing now. You see an escalation. If somebody can get away with a theft, then they might go into grand theft auto. If they can get away with grand theft auto, then you might start seeing violent crime. That's generally what was escalating. That's kind of what John Q. Wilson ended up showing with the establishment of broken windows. It just so happened that my father, along with Bill Bratton and Howard Safer, God rest his soul, who just passed away this week, and Bernie Carrick, ended up implementing it successfully. And as I said earlier here, it's a playbook that any mayor can follow and should follow. Let's turn our attention uh, to the moment down to Georgia. Are you encouraged by this ruling from the judge in Fulton County to sever the cases of, of uh, Mr. Cheeseborough, Kenneth? Cheeseboro and Sidney Powell, and how does Im- this impact the persecution of Rudy Giuliani and others in that case? Well, I, I think really, you know, looking at this, and yeah, look, that, that is uh, that's something that's a, that's a good step. But I, to me, I'm looking very, very clearly at whether or not this actually, and I know Meadows' cases will have to actually go to appeal, um, but whether or not this case can be moved from district court to federal court, because this is a case that is very clear cut in terms of this should be in federal court. The president did all this acting in his federal capacity as president of the United States. And if you look at the Fifth Fifth Circuit Court, this is a court that I think the president and I think my father, I think the other 17 defendants will get a fair trial in. When you look at Atlanta, when you look at D.C., these are places where it is tough to imagine And we've seen already with past cases that have come through D.C., we can imagine in Atlanta that you probably will not get a fair jury pool. And you're definitely working with the district attorney in Atlanta who has made it very clear that she wants to politically advance her career. And how is she going to do that, James? She's going to do that by going after Trump. She's on the record about that, and she's not going to stop now. She's not just going to gain a conscience right now, I can tell you that. Well, I hope that this does get moved to federal court. As you say, I think there would be, uh, I think it's in the interest of justice. And that, that may sound like a quaint phrase, but it is no longer a quaint phrase. You know, I, as I said earlier, uh, Andrews, the NBC story that there are a record number of threats coming in. This is what happens when, and I do not advocate threats. I know you don't either. We need to be yeah. very clear with that, given the way that the, uh, the, the slanted news business operates these days. So up front, no one's advocating threats. But the reason that there are so many threats coming in are because people are beginning to feel disenfranchised and no longer believe. This is dangerous territory, Andrew. When people stop respecting 
the rule of law, when they feel that the rule of law no longer applies to them, then you are going to have people on the fringes of that who feel that it's okay to take the law into their own hand. And we do not want that in this country. James, you're absolutely right. You laid it out perfectly in your opening segment. And I don't think you even have to go any further. And probably this is a perfect representation because, you know, everybody knows Obama. Everybody knows Trump. Everybody knows Biden. And when you see the way that Obama, Clinton, Biden have been treated with their documents and the way that Trump has been treated and Trump very clearly, as you said, he has immunity under the Presidential Records Act. It's as clear as that. Meanwhile, Jack Smith is going after him, and the Democratic media establishment is cheering it, whereas Joe Biden, as vice president, there is no reasonable explanation for why he would have classified documents as vice president. And on top of that, why he would have classified documents as a senator from the 1970s. Why would you have that? And I could tell you this. As a member of the Senate or a member of Congress, in order to view those classified documents, James, you need to go into a skiff. They are not brought into your office. So there's no way that they could actually get mixed in with, let's say, you know, your W-2 paperwork if you're working on your tax on your taxes or something like that. You would have to go and willfully remove that from a room where you can't even bring a phone in. You can't bring a pager or anything like that. You need to leave all your stuff. You leave the documents when they're there and you're done with them and you walk out. So the fact that Biden would have that paperwork, it's extremely clear. It's night and day. He was taking that paperwork because he wanted to ultimately use it for some other reason. And he did did it willfully as well. Absolutely. Andrew Giuliani, always a pleasure, my friend. I so look forward to Thursdays and these chats with you. Andrew, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, James, as always. Keep up the great job. Thank you, my friend. It is time for us to check in with Lou Dobbs taking us in the laws. There she goes. Today's the birthday of John Power. The singer-songwriter with the laws. This is The Rush Hour with Bose Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Heavenly birthday today for Amy Winehouse, 1983. You talk about singers that just left too early. Especially female singers. I always think of Janice Joplin. Of course, Whitney Houston, Amy Winehouse. The 27 Club, I think. The 27 Club took the world by storm. And just so sad that she's not with us today. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, presents Rapid Phones. It is time for you to weigh in. John in New Jersey, you are up first on Rapid Phones. What is on your mind? Uh, hi, uh, Bo. Uh, I took today uh, for a doctor's appointment to Hoover, and I had a Hoover driver, and he happened to be from El 
Salvador. I was speaking to him for a little while in the car. He he spoke very good English, and he he's a, I found out he's a Christian. He believes in God, and he does believe in this country. He said so. I asked him, and he said so. And he said to me he's working seven days a week, and he has a family. And he did not say he came here because of asylum. He said him and his family came here, and I don't know if he came recently or years ago for, to the United States for a better job and a better life. He did not say that he came here because of uh, uh, asylum seeking. You understand what I'm saying? Paul? I got you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. The tale of immigrants in the United States is one that cannot be repeated anywhere else in the world. We are truly, truly the light of the world when it comes to how people can come to this country, change their lives for the better. The only thing we ask is do it legally. Elliot in Staten Island, you're up next on Rapid Phones. Yeah, hi, Bo. You were speaking about that dangerous times and that you shouldn't be threatening you know, uh, people that are don't have your certain views. However, would you be saying this if this was 1770, 1772? Would you tell that to George Washington, Alexandra Hamilton, John Adams, Benjamin Franklin? Those 19 defendants that are on trial in Georgia are our John Adams, our George Washington. You have to understand what's going on in this country. I do understand what's going on. Let me just say this to you. I don't advocate violence right now. We are not at that stage. Now, if you, uh, the question I have was, what do I think of militias? That's what I had in front of me. So let me jump to the interest of time to direct my point to that question. I think if it were not for militias, if it were not for our Second Amendment, America would be at greater risk of harm from America will not be invaded by a foreign country ever successfully with the level of gun ownership and the level of and the constitutional protections that we have in this country to form militias. Our founders understood what true tyranny was and they dealt with it constitutionally. Now, the point that we were at with the revolution in America We had tried every legal effort under English law to resolve these differences, and there was nothing further that could be done. We are not at that point yet. Do I think that America will get to that point? I hope not. If we get to that point, man, I don't even want to think about it. Elliot, thank you for your call. Margaret in Ardsley, New York, you're up next on Rapid Phones. Thank you, James. Uh, I have a message for Mayor um, Adams, and that's from the 60s, and it says, be here now. Be here now. Pay attention to what you need to do at this moment, and stop thinking about things that make it look like you're doing what you're, something when you're actually doing nothing. If, if he... I don't think he should be taking money away from citizens, from naturally born citizens or naturalized citizens. Spend the money on the programs that you have allocated for the people who who are your fellow Americans and whatever's left over, then use it for the immigrants. And if Washington doesn't like it, Washington can do something about it. Thank you. Amen to that. Thank you, Margaret. Doreen in Queens, you're up next. Your point, please. 
Yes, I say instead of cutting the budgets 5% across the board on fire, police, and other city services, I say cut the, the city council budget 15% and double it every year until they do something about not making this city a sanctuary city. Well and well said. Thank you, Doreen Rick in Elmwood Park, New Jersey. James, Apple put out a climate sketch they're calling it for now. I assume they'll make a commercial out of it. There's a bunch of geniuses sitting around the table speaking with Mother Nature, and one of the Apple geniuses suggests <laughs> that they take all 100% of the carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere, which would lead to all plants dying, all animals dying, and all humans dying. Yeah, the geniuses. And let's be carbon neutral. Thank you, Rick. Jimmy. You got to do it quick, Jimmy. We don't have time for long. This is rapid phones. Make your point. The the radical left is able to create the illusion of a right-wing or racist threat. We saw that with Smollett. We saw that with those people claiming that Clarence Thomas, Kavanaugh, and Trump were involved in rape or sexual abuse. Some of these threats to the FBI could be the left working to discredit the right to make Thank you, Jimmy. That's what we have time for. He nailed it. May God bless, protect each and every single one of you, your family, your loved ones. Love, gratitude for your being here this day and every day for Boast and Early's Rush Hour and for our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. God willing, we'll see you tomorrow, same time, same place. Bye. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024.